All right. I like that more than I, I thought it would. All right. I asked them to play that song because I used to listen to that song in 91 when it came out. Right? That, that's an old school song. And uh, I was just out of college, like figuring my stuff out. And uh, this song came along. It's still early in the Christian industry, right? It's not very creative, not like super awesome, right? But the reason I listened to that song was because it was shrouded in controversy at the time. Yes, that song. You know, what was controversial about that? The guy who sang that song, his name is John Gibson. John Gibson grew up in the gang culture of San Francisco. Uh, Jesus found him, changed his life, and he started producing music. Um, and this was like he kept the look for the CD, right? Yes, it was a CD, not an eight track or a cassette. Back off, okay? It was a CD, and he kept, he kept the look for that. And um, he made a choice that many considered controversial at the time. He decided that he would stay connected to all of his gang friends that he had grown up with. And as those guys got older, they turned into bad dudes with attitudes, right? These, are, these guys became the drug dealers, the gun runners, the chop shop owners. And, and he would actually still go and talk with them. And people in the Christian community knew this was going on, and so they quoted this verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And they said, listen, he's obviously hanging out with bad company. You cannot trust him. You cannot trust his music. Um, I was obviously listening to his music, so I had, I had issues. Like, I understood what was written there. I heard it growing up as a teenager. Maybe you have as a teenager. It's something that Paul wrote, and having had enough experience in life, I can tell you it's true. I've seen it. I've seen it a whole bunch of times where people get paired with somebody who's like bad company, and over time, things are corrupt. But something wasn't sitting right with me, the criticism of John, because John appeared to be, at times, to be doing what Jesus had been doing. And Jesus took some criticism for this, too. Um, he actually addresses this in Luke chapter 7. So in Luke chapter 7, right, right before this, he says to the Pharisees who he's talking to, you guys don't even like John the Baptist. That guy didn't eat and drink. Like, he didn't do any of that. But this, you, this is what I do. And he's, he's talking about himself, but he's talking about how the Pharisees are talking about him. In verse 34, he says, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. Like, when I showed up, I'm trying to get so close to you. I'm at your table. We're having a meal. We're having drinks with each other. That, I'm a part of your life in that kind of way. And then he says, and you say about that kind of activity, listen, 
Here is a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And they just, they basically say, you've been corrupted, Jesus, by hanging out with these kinds of people. But here's what happens. Jesus refuses to listen to what they have to say, and he keeps doing it. And the question that I was wrestling with back so long ago was how in the world could the actions of Jesus and the words of Paul both be right? And by the way, I'm not taking the lazy way out. I've heard a lot of Christians do this. It drives me crazy. I don't like it. They'll say, well, I'm going to trust the words of Jesus over Paul. Hello, they're playing for the same team, right? Paul's not trying to grab some followers for himself. He's inspired by the Holy Spirit of God to say stuff on behalf of God as it gets written down. They're the same team. Something bigger is going on. And today, uh, part of what we're going to do is we're going to touch on that. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that we're going to discuss is gonna t- we're going we're to get to that, that rub, and find out what's going on there. We started uh, the Friendships Maze series back in early September, and we did it because friendships are one of those difficult places where um, right now things are, people are wrestling with this in our culture, and it's leading to unbelievably high levels of loneliness across all age categories. It's staggering what's happening. And so what we thought we would do is we would try to get really practical about what does this look like? These are some skills that have been around for thousands of years that appear to be leaking away right now. And so we talked about the process. Like there's a process that's been going on for a thousand years. It's time plus face-to-face plus levels of relationship that cause connection. So we did a whole talk on that. Then we said, hey, it's possible that you could enter that process with messed up perceptions about how you think the world works or how you think that situation is working. And so you don't fully give yourself to the process of relationships and you get stuck and and so you kind of blame the process, but you gotta be careful that you didn't enter into it with, with thinking that wasn't helpful. Today, we're going to add to that. And we're just going to say, listen, if there's layers that we're working with here, layers of relationship, how in the world do you figure out who you befriend in those layers and how do you go about doing it? So today, what I want to do is I want to give you some things that you could be looking for This is not an exhaustive list. I don't think everybody has to have these, but I think they're big. I think the scriptures say some stuff about them. And and because of that, I'm going to just offer up a few things for you to consider so that when you're entering into these environments, there's purpose, intent behind what you're doing and why you're doing it that could lead to friendships. Okay? That's where we're going. And we're going to just try to answer this simple question. How in the world do you choose friends? And we're going to start with this. Um, number one, we're going to say values matter. The, the values that another person has matter, which is why Paul said what he said. He said, listen, if you're not careful, this, this could mess you up. But here's what I want you to see. Go ahead and put up the next slide, the layers. 
These values don't matter the same at every level. Like in this level here where you just know some public information about each other, you don't have to share val the same values to be kind and nice and friendly to people. In fact, um, it's going to get weird if you talk to that person about the weather all the time and then you decide to explore their values by saying, tell me what values you operate on life. What would, say, what would somebody say who you've been talking about the weather with for two years? You're weird. Get away from me. Right? That, that's, that's a personal question. And I don't know that you've, like, I, I don't know why you're asking this, but I'm telling you, the further you go up the layers, the more important the value question becomes. The more important it becomes. Why? Because friends influence each other. They always have. They always will. And it's why you find Paul saying what he's saying and stuff like this in Proverbs. This is Proverbs 22, 24. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered. Next verse says, or you may learn their ways. You could be ensnared. Um, we, I had a friend in college who would get angry at the smallest thing. We ate meals together, and every one of us at the table would look to goad him um, because we thought it was funny because when he got angry, he turned red and like he would pound the table and stuff, and we all thought it was hilarious. Now, I like the guy. Um, there, there's a lot of stuff, but I had enough anger of my own. I knew I couldn't hang out with him or we would end up in trouble. Like, you've seen this, haven't you? If, if you've seen a friend of yours start to hang out with people who complain, they become a complainer. If you hang around people who gossip, doesn't take long for you to start entering into gossip. It's, it includes stuff like anger, which is why he says this here. It's a simple formula. Values plus time equals influence. Values plus time equals influence. It's why when Paul says bad company corrupts good morals, he's warning you about the value proposition. Like, if you're not aware of the values that the friends that you have, you're making a mistake. And I'm telling you right now, a lot of people just, all they want is somebody to accept me. Just somebody who will accept me. If I feel accepted, I'll jump in with you. And some of the people who do the best at accepting somebody is somebody who has no moral code whatsoever. They don't have any values to measure anything on. So they'll accept everybody and it feels good that you could hang out with that person and be accepted, except it will not take long. If you spend a lot of time with that person, you will start to adopt their values. This is the way, this is the way it works. Friendships influence each other. It's also why John Gibson and Jesus got it right. See, they could go into spaces where they could be the influence because those people weren't their primary all-the-time friends. They were, they were hangouts where they would go and they would show the love of God to that person, but they weren't their inner friend. They weren't their core friends. 
And yet a lot of us, we're not paying attention to the values and the friendships that we have. And in the long run, it will bite you. It's not enough to be accepted. It might feel good, but pay attention to the values that somebody possesses. Because if they have none, they will expect you to have none. And if you want to keep that friendship, you'll start to operate in that same way so that you can hold on to them. Values matter. If you ignore them, it will cost you in the long run. How else do you choose friends? Number two, find people who tell the truth. Find people who tell the truth. Uh, In Proverbs 27, verse 6, it says this, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Uh, when When we go to figure out who we should have as a friend, we want people who will support us. That makes a ton of sense. But, but what we have in mind for what support means is often different than what's helpful for us. Many times what we think of is, I want to talk to somebody who will always tell me how well I'm doing, right? Or, or um, you end up talking with somebody that you think you can trust because uh, they soft pedal everything. Tracy was having a conversation um, with somebody at work a little while ago. And I, and I said to her, honey, you have to be careful with that person. That person is not trustworthy. And she's like, why in the world would you say that? How, well, like, what are you seeing that you, would, that you could say that? And I said, well, so far, they've, they've gone around and around and around in circles with you, asking you what you believe, but they've never been direct. They, they haven't had one single direct conversation with you yet. Because of that, you don't really know what they believe or what their agenda is because they haven't been clear. You've you got to be careful that you're not trusting that person with a bunch of important stuff that's going on in your heart. Somebody who can't tell you directly the truth is somebody that's risky. And the other side of that is there sometimes that we gather people who will tell us all the fluff. Like they'll tell us how awesome we are. They'll never disagree with us. We can present stuff that's going on in our lives that we clearly messed up. And they'll make it sound like we're the victims. And the reason this is a problem is that you need somebody who will speak the truth into your life so that you can adjust and grow. Without it, you're in trouble. The problem is honesty often feels like a wound. Feels like that, I can't believe you said that, that hurt. But that kind of wound is possible if it comes from somebody who genuinely cares and reveals that they genuinely care about you. When you have a friend like that, that kind of wound tells you they want, they want me to have, not have blind eyes to this thing, so they're telling me the truth. They're being direct. They're being clear. And it becomes one of the most important things that you can find. Somebody these days who will just tell it to you straight. Who'll just tell it to you straight. Sometimes the problem is 
you find that person who will tell it to you straight, and it feels good because somebody's being honest with you, but they actually don't care about you. They just like telling it straight. And so they'll rip your guts out all day long, and you're like, this is so good to have a good friend. But they're actually not friendly, and they're actually not your friend. So, so this is why it's complicated. You're going to have to take time to figure out what a kind truth teller looks like, and that's what you're looking for. I'm looking for somebody who will tell me the truth in a kind way, because without it, I'll make mistakes. I'll not grow. Got to find a truth teller. Number three, this is going to be a little weird for some of you. You definitely want to find people who have the ability to give you healthy opinions because they matter. <laughs> um, this is another one of those instances where uh, people mess this up a lot because this is not for every space of that triangle either. D do we have a slide for that? I don't know. Yeah. In social space, opinions are excellent. You've determined that you like each other. It's really good. You know what a horrible place for opinions? Right here. Right? And some of you have such strong opinions that you dump them in public space on such a regular basis. And then you're shocked when people don't move to the next space with you. You want to know the truth? They don't care about your opinion. They're in public space. All it, all it does is repel people. I, don't, I didn't want to know that. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to get that close to you. But what I know now is you have strong opinions about everything that you talk about, and if I'm in a friendship with you, I'm going to have to hear even more of these. I'm out. So you have to rein it in. Like, you have, you have to find the proper place and time. It's almost like um, people don't understand the purpose of an opinion. You know what the purpose of an opinion is? It's to generate a conversation where you and others can grow. That's what it is. You find a respectable way to present an opinion that you have, and then you listen to somebody who presents a different way of thinking, and it challenges you to think in ways that you don't normally process. It's dynamic. It's fun. This, this is it's one of the better things about friendships is you get challenged to grow in ways that you could never have considered because you get to hear somebody else's opinion. It feels to me like we are losing this skill in our culture right now. I have a son uh, who told me that right now he has a group of friends that he deeply cares about, but that he's come to realize that he can only share certain things with those friends because if he reveals um, other opinions that he has, he will be removed from that friend group and he can have them no longer. In essence, what's happened is these people have created a silo of ideas and beliefs that they have, and if you espouse those ideas and belief while you're in that silo with them, that's fine. Or if you're quiet 
that's fine. But if you speak up and offer a different opinion, you're out of here. And I feel horrible for him. Because one of the best things that happened in my life is I didn't grow up when it was that way. And I had friends who had disagreements about everything with me. Like we disagreed on all kinds of stuff. Even spiritual matters we would have disagreements about. And we would have conversations. And you know why those conversations were so valuable? Because sometimes I found out I was really immature. And I needed to grow up. Other times I discovered that the belief that I had was something that was so valuable to me that I really had to develop it so that I could stand more firmly on what I thought and what I believed. And all of those conversations were incredible and helpful. And we remained friends after we had them. And sadly, it just seems to be coming to an end. Listen to this verse. We talked about it last week, but I want to read it again. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. For this verse to work, there needs to be friction. And, and right now, many of us are creating silos of friendships where the friction doesn't have to exist at all and you're missing out. You're missing out on what God designed as a method for us to develop, to grow. And this becomes even more important. Like the further up you move, like when you start sharing opinions with trusted people, you can have really dynamic conversations where they can challenge you in ways that nobody else can. But if we become afraid to give opinions or to hear them, the process breaks down. And we lose the richness of what friendships could be. Um, part of the reason I feel sad for my son is I think he's going to come to the realization at some point um, that those friends aren't very good friends because if he makes a mistake and accidentally presents an idea that he doesn't know that's out of bounds, he's going to lose them anyway. And I think it's tragic that that's where we're at. You need people in your life where you can have healthy discussions about opinions. You ought to be looking for people who are capable of doing that. Number four, differences matter. And I'm not just talking about opinions here. I'm, I'm talking about big stuff. I'm, I'm talking about um, the way you were raised. Um, maybe even... Um, I had a whole list. I've got to get it in my head right here. Uh, how you were uh, brought up, your personality, ages, even your ages. Uh, this kind of diversity in background is a challenge based on some observations I've made. Let me give you a couple. 
So uh, when I was doing small groups, uh, the first job as a pastor that I had, I took this question all the time and I have not seen it change. People want to be connected with other people who are like them. It's almost exclusively what people were looking for. So people, like singles would come to me and say, just don't put me in a group with couples. I can't stand them talking about couples issues. I don't want to hear it. And then I'd have couples go, don't put me in a, in a group with couples with kids because I don't want to hear them talking about their kids all the time. Why in the world do they talk about their kids? Those parents don't want to talk about their kids. They have to. Those kids like dominate their lives. That's what happens. And then I have parents with kids go, I don't want to be in um, connection with other kids who aren't the same life stage as me. And so in the empty nesters, don't put me with those people who have kids. I've gotten rid of that. I don't want those around my ankles anymore. You it just went on and on. And I get it. The reason I get it is because it's easier. It is easier. But I'm telling you right now, it works until it doesn't. It works until it doesn't. And I think a whole bunch of people have not thought far enough ahead to understand the problem this is going to have for their life later. What's the problem later? I'm watching this all over the place. This has been going on for a long time. Loneliness has always been a serious problem with older people. It is now everybody. But the, one of the reasons it's a serious problem with older people is because people gather their friendships around each other based on people who are like them in their same life stage. And then as they get to the, a certain age, people start passing away and they start losing friendships out of their personal space and their intimate space. Friendships that take a long time to develop, and when those are gone, you don't replace them quickly. And so they're left with high levels of loneliness. And they would have been better off if they realized that what God had in mind was he spread wisdom around. It's... It's in some people who are older than you. It's in some people who are younger than you. Some people who are younger than you are going through things that you've never had to face in your life. You've never even had to think about that. It would be dynamic for you to have a conversation with them to find out what's going on and to actually develop an ongoing relationship with them. Somebody who is 15, 20 years younger than you so that when your friends start to hollow out, you still have two or three friends that are still around, that you can supply good things into their lives because of your wisdom and your time, and they could still be a connection point for you. And yet, people aren't considering these things. And they're looking for, I just want people who are like me. Just give me people who are like me. And it will run out of effectiveness eventually. Here's a second observation I want to... I, I started seeing this locally. I'm reading about it nationally. This is a trend that's now happening. Because friendships are hard, people have decided to rely primarily on family for their connections. Uh, why that's good is because some of those family relationships are built in. They're supportive. They're really, like, they're very good. They're helpful. 
But, but, a recent um, study was finished. They reported on it in Time Magazine. 270,000 people across 11 countries. And they looked at how uh, friendships were formed and they found something. They found a lot of interesting things, but this is the one they found on family. They found that the people who had groups of friends outside of their family were the healthiest in every measurement, healthy mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, healthier. What, what happens sometimes when people get married is they connect up with that person and everybody else disappears in their world of connection. And the problem is when one of them passes, there's nobody else and the health of that person declines rapidly. But, but the married couples where she had friends and he had friends and they did stuff with those friends and talked to those friends on a regular basis, they were healthy off the charts. You can see some of this habit start with dating. Have you ever had a friend start dating somebody and they ghost all of their friends until that dating relationship either turns bad or ends and then all of a sudden they show back up in the group? That, that's that same kind of thinking. If I find somebody who's close, I don't need somebody else. I would tell you that's a risky path. Uh, in Proverbs 18, verse 24, the second part, the first part says, somebody who has unreliable friends comes to ruins, but here's the second part, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And people would say, hey, this is about Jesus. And I think it does describe Jesus very well. But this was a proverb that was written for the day and time, and they were using it to help them understand that it was valuable to have friends who were not family people you had hobbies with, people you could travel with, people that you could do stuff with, have conversations with, because it's healthier for you and it's healthier for your relationship for you to have more than just a huddled group of family friends. In fact, the research on this is becoming quite clear. The people who are relying on the huddle of family to take care of their whole friendship are ending up feeling alone. This process of finding friends and engaging with them, it's important. Your family's important. For some of you, your family isn't up to the task. Like they couldn't provide for you good support. You, you've got to be at the task of finding other friends. And part of the problem is that sometimes people are huddling in their families and those people who need other friends can't find somebody who's willing to engage with them because I've got my family and they're out in the cold. If you could understand the value of it, there are friendships closer than a brother that are valuable for your life. So the, um, this list is not exhaustive. These are just things I'm hoping that you'll think about as you enter into these different environments. What kind of environments? Go to a marriage retreat. Enter into that environment. Go to Taco Tuesday with North of 50. Like show up at Waytoberfest and talk to people. Just start having conversations with people and have this stuff on your mind. 
Uh, band, if you would come up here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, close this up. I, want, I wanna say one more thing. Here's how you use some of this information, okay? So if you understand that values are important, when you enter into these kind of spaces where you're talking with people, that ought to be on your mind. And you don't have to ask a values question in order to figure out if they have any or not. You can talk to them about their work, about what's happening in their lives, and people will reveal certain values. If you want to have a values conversation, make it light, make it easy, and do something like this. Create a little test. Tell them about a value choice that you made in life and ask them what they think about it. And they'll tell you, and you'll find out, wow, they have some of the similar values that I have. That's, this is the value I'm telling about is really important to me, so I'm gonna tell them about that. If you wanna find out if somebody's gonna be truthful, Tell them about a time in your life where you really screwed up, like you blew it. And if they blow fluff at you the whole time, or they talk around in circles and don't have the courage to tell you the truth about that situation, you've just learned something. Like you're looking for people who will be kind truth tellers. And if you tell somebody that mistake you made and they blow you away, that's also good to know, right? You gather these, you gather these things cautiously. If, if you wanna find out what's going on, like if somebody has the ability to share a healthy opinion with them, say, hey, I wanna share this opinion I have and I'm looking for some feedback and you share a light opinion, don't, like don't go big. Don't go big. Don't give them some personal thing. Give them some small opinion and then have a, a conversation. And if it ends up with heated and they're demanding that you do it their way, you have some information. And if not, and it was fun and engaging and it kind of like caused you to think, then do it again with them and do it again with them and see if that could grow into something that both of you enjoy doing. But these are, these are tests. There's no way, there's no shortcut around it if you want to find people who are different than you. It's time plus face-to-face -face plus levels. You're going to have to start working at it. And it will be hard because people who are younger than you, you will not understand. You'll not get, like, why do they think that way? But that's part of the challenge that will grow you. But it's a choice. And it's a choice that you'll have to make. Do you want to have long-term, long-lasting friends that are healthy or not? Who do you pick as friends? Do you have a process? Do you have things in your mind? How do you go about doing that? Because you could enter a process, and if you don't have an understanding of who you're looking for, you may never find them. Let me pray for you real quick. God, I am convinced that friendships are incredibly important. It's, uh, it's your idea that we would be people who are in community with each other. And yet, uh, sometimes uh, the only thing we care about is just somebody who will accept me. Just accept me, and that's good. And we never find people who will tell us the truth. We never find people that we can have dynamic engaging um, conversations with opinions. We never find people who are different than us.
And God, there's, um, there is a lack of ability to right now figure this stuff out. So I just ask that you would put your hand on the lives of people in here, that you would just give them the courage to try one of these, to just start paying attention to one of these, where they could start seeing the value in opinions, where they could start looking for somebody who tells them the truth, but that they could start making a change to how they pick their friends. They influence us. They matter. Give us wisdom in this process. In Jesus' name, amen.